Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. In many respects, Twitter is a cesspool that should be shut down and hurled into outer space. But in some ways, Twitter can be very beneficial. I came across on Twitter yesterday the best obituary that I have ever read in my life. Randall Bunky Jacobs. And I'm just going to give you a little flavor of it here. Randall Jacobs of Phoenix died at age 65, having lived a life that would have sent a lesser man to his grave decades earlier. His friends called him RJ, but to his family, he was Uncle Bunky, a.k.a. the Bunkster. He told his last joke which cannot be printed here on May 4, 2020. Go on to read the rest of it. We've got it posted on our Twitter page. And as the day went on, I became aware that his nephew, Chris Santamaria, wrote this obituary. Again, it is excellent. I encourage you to read the whole thing. And his nephew shared one of his Uncle Bunky's favorite Facebook posts. It turns out, Big Cat, that Uncle Bunky was a big Broncos fan. So he pointed out, in this post, why do Broncos fans wear orange? They can wear it in jail on Fridays, hunt in it on Saturdays, watch football on Sundays, and wear it to work on Mondays at the Home Depot. And coincidentally, Randall Jacobs worked at the Home Depot. And sources close to me tell me that the Broncos are aware of Uncle Bunky and will be making contact with the family to do something nice for the man who passed away recently. But it really is. It's, you know, we see thousands of obituaries over the course of our lifetime and there are some that stand out this one to me stood out more than any other so it was a great tribute to a man who apparently had a life well lived and as also mentioned here he burned the candle and whatever else was handy at both ends big cat i like the nickname uncle bunky as well that's uh that's a great one i had not seen that so uh no snark or sarcasm for me that's just a a a cool little thing that and you're right the, the internet is a cesspool, but every now and then something will come out of it and be like, oh, that was kind of cool. In lieu of flowers, please pay someone else's open bar tab, smoke a bowl, and fearlessly carve out some fresh lines through the trees on the gnarliest side of the mountain. So that's how it ends. So it really is well done. Uh, and it was a great tribute. And, and again, it's one of the very few reasons why 
I don't literally deactivate my account on Twitter because it is and has become even more of a cesspool in recent years. All right, let's move on. Uh, Twitter is the place you where we no get- You have no part in that. You have no part in that. What are you, what are you talking about? Sometimes you, kick, sometimes you kick the hornet's nest. Sometimes you sometimes, see, well, how can I get the entire internet to hate me today? And then when sometimes, it happens, you can't be, you can't, it's like touching a stove and being like, ow, that's hot. And then you touch it again. Ow, that's still hot. Yeah, Mike, it's but still hot. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The hornet's nest had to be there. If the hornet's nest isn't there, I wouldn't kick it. If they're going to put a hornet's nest by my door every once in a while, I'm going to kick the son of a, you know what? All right. But Twitter is a useful place for us because we get some questions we can answer to fill segments on days when there isn't anything to talk about. Not this day specifically, but we do have some questions to answer from our friends at Twitter. This one comes from Manual1723. What team that finished fourth in its division last season could win the division this upcoming season? And frankly, he added the plural in there, so it could be more than one team. Big Cat, do you have one or more teams that finished in last place that could pull off the worst-to-first resurrection? Okay, I'm looking at it right now, um, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Um, all right, so I'll actually, here's, here's, I'll give you two. The Cardinals. The Cardinals, I think, are going trending in the right direction. It seems like they've got Kyle, Kyler Murray is going to be one of those guys who makes that big leap into the second year. Uh, they feel like a team that... If things shake out the right way, that's a very tough division. But they're they're going to be a scrappy team. They were in a lot of games. Uh, they were scrappy towards the end of the year. And then, ah, here's one that that will probably be people disagree with. How about the Dolphins? How about the Dolphins? Tom well, Brady's look, gone from I, New England. The Dolphins were were in a lot of games. They they hung in there. We don't know what two is going to be. But they, they, you know, they had a lot of first-round draft picks, a lot of draft capital. Uh, that division feels like it could be changing a little bit. I, you know, why not? Let's throw it out there. The only other one I see that that I could think of is uh, is the Chargers. But I don't. Maybe, maybe the one thing that you could say for the Chargers' benefit is that playing in front of no fans, they're used to that, so uh, <laughs> they'll be ready to go. My first pass through the eight divisions of the NFL resulted in a, a knee-jerk reaction that none of these teams is going to turn it around. Now, but, I then on. locked on. I know. I know. I locked on to the Dolphins. Frank Gore, the Jets running back, who's played for the Dolphins and the Bills, now the Jets, said yesterday, it's wide open because Tom Brady's gone. And he's right. Now, look, I don't know how wide open it really is. And there are some people that think the Bills are the odds-on favorites to win it. But I, I don't rule the Dolphins out in the AFC East. I, the, the Cardinals I initially brushed past because you've got the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Rams in front of them, but but they did beat the Seahawks in Seattle late in the season. If I recall correctly, they gave the 49ers everything they could handle, not once but twice last year. The defense need, didn't need to get a whole lot better. Kyler Murray, I think, is going to be the fourth straight second-year breakout quarterback. It was Carson Wentz in 2017, Mahomes in 18, Lamar Jackson last year, and I think Kyler Murray is going to have a huge step up this year. That I'm not going to rule them out either. And I somehow keep forgetting this, Mike. I have to remind myself like every two weeks. The Cardinals have DeAndre Hopkins. Like I need to keep saying that to myself. The Cardinals have DeAndre Hopkins. It slipped into that time-space continuum where it feels like it never happened because we had so much, you know, go on in life afterwards. 
the Cardinals have DeAndre Hopkins. Week one will start, and I'll be like, wait, the Cardinals have DeAndre Hopkins? That's a big deal. They have a good receiving core, and they have Kyler Murray, who's going to make that leap. So, yeah, that will be my dark horse uh, team that could go from worst to first. The, the only tangible reminder that I ever encounter that DeAndre Hopkins is now with the Cardinals comes in reverse. Anytime you see any betting prop related to the Texans, the odds have skyrocketed since the DeAndre Hopkins trade. You take Hopkins off that team, and the perception is they got nothing else. Now, they still have Deshaun Watson, but who's he going to throw it to? And, and so we've seen their odds get longer to win the division, to make the playoffs, to do anything in 2020. One last one. And we we joke, but the Lions season, their 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 record is not indicative to what how they were playing when Matthew Stafford went out. So that's not a three and twelve team. That could be interesting, especially with you see what the Packers did in the draft. Who knows what's gonna happen with the Bears and the Vikings, you know, the Vikings can be had. They're not gonna be juggernauts. So that could be an interesting one as well. Leads to the next question from at Tuesday Maction. Realistically, how do your Chicago Bears bounce back in the NFC North from last year? You have the Packers sadly still at the top. Tuesday Maction is revealing his bias. Even though they didn't add much, they also didn't lose anyone. The Lions could be better. The Vikings are the Vikings. Someone is going to be the surprise team out. Who do you think and how do you think the Bears can climb back to the top of the division? I think it's pretty easy. It's just getting average quarterback play because that defense was still good last year. They had a few games where they gave up. I mean, I think I, I'm trying to remember exactly what the point total was, but it was like maybe 24 or 28 points to the Packers combined in the two games. So like those are games that if you have average quarterback play, you can win those games. So they were in games because of their defense. If, if their offense can just get a, just a touch better – they're going to be back in the hunt for the NFC North. I really do believe that because their defense is that good and they haven't lost a lot of guys. And, you know, Akeem Hicks got injured last year, which is a huge deal when you look at, you know, how they play defense and just having Nick Foles. Let's see if Nick Foles can be that, you know, average to every now and then above average. That makes a world of difference. Yeah, you know, that first game of the season, Bears-Packers, was almost unwatchable because of the lack of offense. And But for that kind of look-what-I-found throw by Aaron Rodgers to Jimmy Graham, the Bears may have won that game. And I'm with you. If they can stabilize the quarterback position, if Nick Foles can be, and, you know, we've established he's got that huge up-and-down roller coaster career, but he's with Matt Nagy again. If he can get on that upswing, the Bears, I think, could be a lot better than they were last year. All right. Uh, you can you can look at it. Here's here it is real quick, Mike. They lost a game where they gave up ten points. They lost a game where they gave up seventeen points twice, and they lost a game where they gave up uh, twenty one points twice. So that's not like they weren't getting smoked by these teams. It was just the offense was that bad. At Icon, would you rather pay Dak Prescott thirty five million dollars per year or Russell Wilson forty five million per year? Russell Wilson forty five, no doubter, wow. not even a question wow. to me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. He's special. I there's not uh, the list of special guys in the NFL at this point it might just be Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. Deshaun Watson, you wouldn't put him in there? Kyler Murray's going to Kyler Murray's and Lamar now Jackson. Now 45 million. Now 45 million. And who? Lamar Jackson. Lamar I would like to see it one more year. I, I, I'm saying 45 million. Lamar Jackson yeah. paid forty million. I'd pay Lamar Jackson more than Dak Prescott. Obviously, I'm saying that. I'm saying the level of. I wouldn't even think. 
You just name the number. I'll give you that. Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. Yeah, um, I I don't disagree that that those two would be on it. I just I just think that that there's got to be somebody else, and it may be Kyler Murray by the time it's all said and done. Uh, but I agree with you. If I had to choose between the two, and I don't like the choice, um, I'd go Russell Wilson, forty five million a year. But here's the reality: Dak's getting the thirty five million. He's going to make sixty nine over the next two years under the franchise tag. The only way he's trading that in is to get to thirty five million a year on a long term deal. All right, at Jr. the boss man, what will be the market? For Josh Gordon in the event he's reinstated. And we reported yesterday that even though Gordon has not yet officially applied for reinstatement, he will be doing so soon with the goal of being on a team for training camp. And he's an unrestricted free agent. His contract with the Seahawks has expired. He can sign with anyone. What do you think his market will be if and when he gets a, a, a clearance to return to the NFL, Big Cat? Someone will take a chance, right? I mean, someone will take a chance. Someone will at least bring him in. Because I, I'm actually – I'm going to pivot here real quick, Mike. Is Antonio Brown going to get another shot? Because I think that's another one – another case of someone will will take a shot eventually and just say, hey, let's see if this works. Let's, let's take another run at this because if the guy can play, we don't really care about everything else because that's really the reality of the NFL. Here's a problem for Antonio Brown. He's got three open personal conduct policy right. investigations that we know of that for whatever reason. And look, I, I, I think that that one thing the NFL Players Association should do when it comes to the personal conduct policy is put clear timetables in there, clear guidelines and deadlines. So you just can't squat on one of these investigations for months. And I understand it doesn't really matter right now because it's not like Antonio Brown is missing anything. But just this perception that they just put it in the cold case file and let it sit there until they have to deal with it. I, I think it's not fair to the players collectively that they have that power. There was the lawsuit for sexual assault and rape that was filed September of last year. That investigation is still open and unresolved. There was the question of whether or not he sent hostile text messages, threatening text messages to someone else who came forward in an article for Sports Illustrated. That investigation still open. And then earlier this year, the incident with the guy who was driving the moving truck. There's been no word of anything being done on that. So I think that Josh Gordon has a much greater chance of getting back in, Big Cat, because the Alden Smith reinstatement tells me the NFL is trying to find a way to give these guys who have been suspended for off-field misconduct related to drug use, trying to give them a clean slate and, get, and let them get back in now that the substance abuse policy has taken suspensions pretty much off the table. Okay. Good answer. Yeah, I mean, that definitely changes it compared to Josh Gordon. So I, I do still think someone will take a shot at Josh Gordon. At KBrand6767, is there anybody happier right now than Bill Belichick because he won't have to shake hands at the end of a game? That's a great one. That is a great one. Very astute. Yeah. What? I, although, I don't know. I think you have not left your compound in West Virginia, uh, but I have... I have left my apartment in Brooklyn and every now and then I've, I've come across someone that I've had to talk to and the uh, deciding what to do, whether it's nothing or the elbows brings its own issues. We need to have, someone needs to mandate exactly how we're going to go forward with this. Is it elbows? Is it feet? Is it no, no, no contact? Just tell me what to do. So I don't have that awkward back and forth of, okay, so we don't shake hands. We don't, you know, what are we doing here? I've got no problem with the subtle nod of recognition. That's my preferred greeting. You just give it a quick, hey, how are you? You don't have to touch nah, anybody. See, that, Nobody's touching that, you. What? 
Wait, do it again. Do that again. I, well, it's not natural because you have to. I have to be in the setting no, where somebody again, walks up and I, say, "Hey, how I are you?" Say, yeah, hey, that's hey, the Italian in you comes hey. out. That looks like you want to fight oh. him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I may. I mean, just because you shake somebody's <laughs> hand doesn't mean you don't want to punch him with the other fist. All right. Um, but 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 look, we are rocketing toward a return to normalcy, whether it's advisable or not. That's not for me to decide. But football will happen. I am convinced of that. And yeah, there's. I think it'll be a nod of recognition, not quite at midfield. Maybe they'll just kind of go a few steps out, quick nod, hello, wave, and everybody heads to the locker room. And and look, Bill Belichick's got to be concerned about this. He's pushing 70. He's in the risk group, so all the more reason for him to avoid people if he can. Last question, and this is a very important one. Is there any chance that Coach Duggs, I didn't know he had his own Twitter handle, will make the move to the NFL, and what would be some likely landing spots for Doug Duggerton? No chance. No chance. I like uh, coaching coaching young men, making them into adults. I like the molding process, and I also like being able to pay my players under the table. So no chance. And escape every year for a new program. Correct. How do you decide, how do you decide what, what Doug Duggerton's next school is going to be? They give you the offers. So you go into the coaching carousel, and they tell you what jobs are open. So it's not like you can just pick any job. So how many do you have to choose from? Like when you picked uh, Tennessee, like what were the other choices? 15, Georgia, Tennessee, Cal, Utah. Are you trying to like specifically choose different conferences and kind of like barnstorm uh, yes. the college football yes. landscape that way? That is intentional. I like, I like getting into different rivalries and different conferences. How different are the teams in this game? Like is it a dramatic difference when you go from one school to the next and you have to relearn everything? playbook and no, all that I, stuff or? oh i bring my playbook with me come on i have my okay. philosophy it's go go all right. go all right i'm i'm, well, Eric, uh, I'm I, you probably don't even know this person's name how mummy i am he air I know how certified mummy. me i know how I don't know. Mummy. you don't know a lot of things you don't know a lot of things thanks thanks a lot i appreciate you very much i th- thank you this is you know this is a we're trying to have a happy day today it's the unofficial start of summer it's a long weekend we're trying to give people some normalcy i guess this is normalcy you being a rude ass is normal all right this is normal let's take a break tom brady and sean payton are already talking some trash about week one some pft props coming up next we'll be right back it's actually funny a lot of people are asking about that picture that i tweeted of uh you know i tweeted about it and was like you know folded this way this way everybody was asking is that the actual conversation that we're having right there and that was literally the photographer caught us having the conversation about how to pull the towel and, you know, how far to put it down my pants and then how much baby powder to put down my crack. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he was pretty particular about it. You know, it's got to be uh, a good a good sized hand towel, you know, one of those, those big towels that you see on the sideline. Ryan Jensen, Buccaneers Center, with some advice on how to avoid ass sweat in Tampa Bay. Sims and I talked about that yesterday because look, Sims learned something from that big cat. He dealt with it. He had to put his hands down in there when it was hot and it was sweaty and it was stinky and it was just nasty. And uh, he wishes he had had that advice from Ryan Jensen. I guess, I guess his center in Tampa Bay wasn't sufficiently knowledgeable on how to properly handle that area. Well, it's Tom Brady. Tom Brady's attention to detail. Ryan Jensen said that. it was. Uh, we had the whole interview on part of my take, but he basically said that when the first time he talked to, to Ryan Jensen, Tom Brady called him up 
first five minutes were very cordial, talking about family, whatever, getting to know you. And then it was straight into uh, how do you what, what do you put in your uh, in your pants when you're, you're about to play a game? Because this is what I like. There's a great story in Paul Zimmerman's book about one of the NFL strikes back in the 70s and a quarterback, I think it was for the Chiefs, had crossed the picket line and the center was very active in the pro-labor movement. So they were upset with the guy who crossed the picket line. So the first day of practice, when the quarterback came up to the center, the center had cut out the material from his pants and all that that implies so uh, when the quarterback put his hand in there, he got a handful literally and uh, and like backed away and fumbled and uh, got benched. So that uh, that moment, uh, I guess, uh, contributed to the scab being removed from the team. So uh, that that's something Ryan Jensen probably won't be doing to Tom Brady. Uh, uh, but the towel will be a thing, especially in the hot months. All right. Time for some PFT props. Week one. Tampa Bay, four-and-a-half-point underdog at New Orleans. Sean Payton said that Tom Brady's already texted him to say, you're the favorites. If you had to put money down now, the Saints at home with the Buccaneers coming to town, marquee game week one, who you got? I would take the the Bucs. The real possibility there'd be no fans there. Exactly. Take Take that, you know, into account. There could be a lesser crowd. There could be no crowd. Plus four and a half feels like with no crowd, that line will absolutely change. So I'll err on that side. And I think the Bucks. I mean, the Bucks were, you know, Tom Brady's not going to a team that was horrendous last year. Their defense was pretty good. And they have some incredible offensive weapons. They, what did they finish? Nine and seven when a quarterback threw 30 interceptions. So I, the seven Bucks are going to be good. Seven and nine, but the Bucks are going to be good. The Saints typically lay an egg or two early in the year as well. I've got that memory in recent years where it just takes them a while to get started. And if you do remove the fans from the conversation and this FanDuel line of plus 4.5 for Tampa Bay, if there isn't going to be fans, I think that line's going to move quickly. And there was an item last week, I think it was in the Philadelphia Inquirer, Big Cat, about the impact of no fans on the betting lines because the rule of thumb is three points for home field advantage. Right now, in some places, it's more like Seattle or Kansas City, but you get that bump if you're playing the game at home. You take away the crowd, that bump is going to change. Now, of course, the other team's still traveling to you, and you're not traveling, so there's some advantage there. But you take away, you take away the inability of the offense to run the offense the way it would like to run the offense, that's going to change the game. Especially with uh, Tom Brady in a new offense, new offensive guys, being able to talk to all of them in a, in a you know, place like the Superdome would be incredible. And as it's it's as loud as a playoff game week one, if Tom Brady is coming to town to take on Drew Brees, that place is going to be amped up if they have fans in there. The NFL still holds out hope that they will be able by September to let people come to the game. There's there's some research being done when it comes to what it means to have the coronavirus antibody. And it could be it could be by the time we get to Labor Day weekend they'll be able to tell people, hey, if you test positive for this antibody, you're good to go. You can't spread it. You can't catch it. You are fine. Go live your life. Go to football games and go fill up stadiums. All right, what's juicier? Tom Brady's over-under at 29.5 passing touchdowns or Drew Brees over-under at 30.5 passing touchdowns, Big Cat? Ooh, I'd go with Brady. Again, I I think Brady's offense has more overall weapons. You know, uh, Michael Thomas – 
is up there for best receivers in the league, but and they have a great running game in New Orleans, but with with Gronk there and Mike Evans and Godwin, like the Bruce Arians, like this is going to be both teams are going to try to push the ball downfield, and I would take Tom Brady in this one. Yeah, I think I will too. And the other side of it is, look, I I know what I'm walking into, and I will do it consciously. You never know how much Taysom Hill is going to be on the field this year mm, as the Saints begin there it to groom is. him. So, 8.25 yes, yes. in the morning. It took an hour what and took, 25 minutes before what Mike took you so long? professed his love for Taysom Hill. All I'm pointing out is there's a possibility that Taysom Hill will be on the field more. They're paying the guy $21 million over two years. There's a there's a possibility we'll see him a little bit more, and that could eat into the statistics of Drew Brees. That's no hot take. That's just reality. How can you deny that? Oh, a quick yawn. I tried to eat it. Uh, I can't deny it. But you love Taysom Hill. I, I just I just don't understand how Taysom Hill became so polarizing for football fans because out of nowhere. Because he hasn't played as a quarterback I, in the NFL, and people are comparing him to Lamar Jackson and saying he's a franchise quarterback. It's not hard to figure out where this came from. Speaking of Lamar Jackson, over under pass touchdowns, 26 and a half. Last year, he led the league and I believe tied the all-time Ravens franchise record at 36. I'll take over. I'll take over. I actually, uh, I'll take over because J.K. Dobbins is going to be a, a guy who who changes their offense even, you know, they, they already ran the ball so well, but he can catch the ball and I'll take over. I think another year under his belt, he'll see the field a little bit easier. I, th I think he will have, I don't know, 30, 30 touchdowns, I'll say. Yeah, look, I agree with you. At 36 last year and that was when, you know, he was running a lot. I think the longer he plays, the less we're going to see him run because he's going to develop as a passer. He's going to see the field better. He's going to – he's not – now, there'll be designed runs, but you become less inclined to rely upon your God-given athletic ability and escape bad situations if you think maybe if you just wait another second or two or buy some time behind the line of scrimmage, Ben Roethlisberger style, you're going to find a guy open down the field. And I think we're going to see that transition, especially if teams become more committed to devising defenses aimed at shutting down that run. It's going to create more opportunities in the passing game. So I'm surprised 26 and a half is the number that seems a lot lower than it should be considering he had 36 last year. Um, also what's, what's more likely Lamar Jackson leads the league in touchdown passes again, or he leads the league in rushing yards. He was sixth in rushing yards last year. I'd say touchdown passes again. I don't I mean he didn't lead the league in rushing yards last year. And like you just said, I don't think he will run as much. I think they'll probably try to start, you know, uh, protecting him a little bit more. So, and, and it's, you know, the two things go hand in hand as he gets further in his career and he feels more comfortable throwing the ball and reading defenses and doing all of that, his need to run will be lessened. So I think it will go higher, higher likelihood that he will throw lead the league in touchdown passes like he did last year, than lead the league in rushing yards where he was just six last year. Football is coming in just a few months, and I am convinced they will be playing this year. Until then, there are other sports this weekend. Let's have some fun with those. NASCAR Coca-Cola 600, pardon my take guest, Denny Hamlin, plus 900 to win his second race in a row. Your thoughts? Well, 
Pardon my take guest, Denny Hamlin, on today's show. Also guaranteed victory, so take it. Yeah, I still, I can't, look look at that mask. Oh, my goodness. So funny. So funny. You know, that's the the thing about the masks. there, There is, it just unleashes a new level of potential creativity for people. I think it's awesome. That's a great, great mask. Yeah. Uh, do you wear a mask when you go out in public? I do. I absolutely do. Yeah. I don't go out in public, so it's, it's not relevant to me. Although today I've got to run some errands, I think. I, I, I have a couple of masks to choose from. I have one with little footballs on it, and I have one with little baseballs on it. I wonder which of the two I'll choose. Don't do the baseballs. Then someone might actually ask you about you know baseball, and you won't know how to answer Exactly. All right. Uh, Bundesliga, the German soccer league that is playing games with no fans in the stands. Bayern Munich versus Eintracht. Eintracht. Is, that's probably how they say it. I'm not being, I'm not mocking. That's, I'm trying to do justice to the Eintracht Frankfurt. Plus 700 for a draw, plus 1400 for a win. Uh, do you care, first of all? Uh, yeah, I do care. I've been betting the over in every single game blindly. So, yes, I care. <laughs> I will take the over, whatever it is. Just do it. I I just like turning on the TV and seeing a ball move on the screen. What's the over-under for a soccer match? 0.5? No, stop. Two and a half, three, three and a half, right around there. Three and a half? No way, three and a half. Yeah, it's every game's one one to nil. I've heard one to nil more times than I've ever heard any score combination in any other sport. One to nil. One You're a hater. All the time. You're a hater. All right. There's a little golf this weekend as well. Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning, minus 220 against Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady, plus 170. Who you got? Ooh. Who do you think is better? Do you think Tom Brady's better than Peyton Manning? What, how does that one break down? I assume Peyton Manning's better at golf because Tom Brady's obsessed with football. When the hell does Tom Brady golf? Yeah, what, true. What is, but- how, does he, how does he ever get good enough at golf? without putting time into it, time that would be taken away from his ongoing obsession with football. Peyton Manning, what, that, what else is he doing? At that price, I'd take the underdog just because, I mean, it's it's a fun match that doesn't really mean anything, so take the underdog. You know what I mean? Why would you Why would you lay that much with with a favorite when it's like, who, who even knows what's going to happen? Who knows how these guys are exactly. involved? I, I, I hate to agree with you, but I do. When we return, today's draft is, ins- is inspired by uh, poor Bill Buckner. Stay tuned for more. We'll explain what we're doing, and then we'll do it. Coming up here on PFT. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? 
Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Uh, what are you up to these days with you and the family? I know one thing, the Harbaugh family never lets grass grow under their feet. You're always on the move. So what are you and Sarah and the kids up to? Well, we've been uh, we've been in Ann Arbor pretty much the whole time. And then this past week, uh, we decided to get a little change of scenery. So took the RV out and uh, kind of did a little circle around Indiana and, and uh, Illinois, Missouri. And... Uh, Back in Michigan now, we stayed, uh, you'll like this, you'll like this, Mike. We stayed last night in Benton Harbor, Michigan at a at an RV campground, Eden Springs. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm out there walking this morning. I see this baseball field. It looks like a baseball field. And uh, did a little research, talked to Charlie, who's the uh, the carpenter on site. And uh, so I started learning about the, the baseball team. House of David uh, was a team that played from like 1914 to 1920. And they had, they had beards down to their chest. Um, and then I talked to my dad about it. They played in Crestline, Ohio. Uh, Satchel Page played with them. Uh, even a rumor that uh, the Babe uh, played with them one time. The Babe Peterson. It was wow. uh, really cool. Of course, we got the ball gloves out and had a little catch. That's Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh with Mike Tirico earlier this week on Lunch Talk Live. Check that out every weekday at noon Eastern with a re-air at 3 p.m. Eastern. And we're talking a little baseball there because we'll be showing a little baseball tonight. NBC Sports from the vault. The 1988 World Series Game 1, 1986 World Series Game 6, and the 1996 ALCS Game 1, and of course that 1986 World Series Game 6, the notorious Bill Buckner game, which inspires today's draft. Players who are remembered for the wrong thing. And I've got a trivia question for you, Big Cat. If you get this wrong, you should hang your head in shame for the entire weekend because even I knew this one. The Cubs traded Bill Buckner to the Boston Red Sox for which Hall of Fame pitcher? Uh, That would be... Dennis, Dennis Eckersley, right? Damn it. I was yes, going to say, I had my years because I was like, because the Cubs obviously traded Greg Maddox too, who's in the Hall of Fame, but that was much later. Uh, Yeah. Yep, you get I it. You baseball, get the first pick. Man. Well I done. miss baseball. I wish we had baseball. Uh, okay, all right, my first pick. This one's easy for me. Uh, I will go with Gary Anderson. Damn it. Gary Anderson. Yeah. Fantastic career. All-decade team, 1980s. All-decade team, 1990s. Uh, you know, 23 years in the NFL. Led the league in percentage for field goals in that 1998 season. What was his percentage? He didn't miss a single one. Now, look, 100%, I have a and then he yeah. missed this, and this was to go to the Super Bowl, the 15-1 and Vikings. Uh, and then we remember Gary Anderson, who had a fantastic career for that one big miss. Oh, my God, that was unfortunate. 
Now, the Vikings were up by seven points at the time. That would have put them up by 10 without nearly enough time for the Falcons to close the gap. They drove down the field. They forced overtime, and then they won the game in overtime. Thank you. I have a feeling that that, that, that idea was fed to you by someone, but it was at the top of my list. Gary Anderson, nope. what a way to be <clears throat> remembered. All right, next one for me. And, and, and look, I, actually, this guy is remembered for two things rather than his dominant play as a defensive lineman. It's Leon Lett formerly the Dallas Cowboys. He had the incident on Thanksgiving Day against the Miami Dolphins when all of the sleet was on the field at Texas Stadium. That was an NBC game where he touched the ball after the block field goal, allowing the Dolphins to recover and keep possession and win the game. And who can forget Super Bowl 28, I believe it was, when he was running in the uh, the turnover, and uh, it was Don Beebe who came up from behind him and knocked the ball out. I won some money on that. I had one of those things with the square where you match up the, 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 the second number for the team scores. If that touchdown counts, I would have lost like 250 bucks. But there's the, the original. Did you see Jerry Jones in that shot? So good. So good. I don't remember that part, but that's so funny. And there goes Leon Lett. It was the fumble by Jim Kelly, and off goes Leon Lett to the races. And uh, he got a little cocky, a little, little fancy Dan at the end. Don Beebe not giving up, even though the game was over, uh, knocks the ball out and uh, goes out of the end zone, touchback Bills. Dumbest rule in football, but great hustle by Don Beebe, and that's how we know Leon Lett. All right, you're next. Well done. Right, well done good one. the B-roll since we didn't give him these in advance. Yep, or did you give them to – you probably were fed not. all these answers. All right. Uh, my next one will be Ernest Biner. Ernest Biner, the fumble. The the Browns fans obviously will never forget this. This this is the fumble against the Broncos, the AFC Championship game. Ernest Biner goes on to win two Super Bowls. He went to two Pro Bowls. He was fantastic for those Redskins teams. So uh, he gets remembered for the fumble with the Browns not for winning Super Bowls with the Redskins. Ernest Biner is my second pick, and it is a fantastic pick, if I may say so myself. That That is a great pick. Very well done. And you're right, a guy, when you hear that name, that is what you think of. And look, I hate to do this to one of our NBC colleagues, but it's a fact. Rodney Harrison, right? Potential Hall of Fame career, Patriots Hall of Famer, but he will be forever linked to that, David Tyree helmet catch from Super Bowl 42 that derailed what would have been a 19-0 season. Now, there's a caveat to this. There's another guy who should be even more notorious in that play, not that play, but that drive. Asante Samuel had an interception in his hands just a few plays earlier that would have ended the game, and it squirted right through, proving yet again that's why he plays defense. But, yeah, Rodney Harrison, a great career, and this is just one of those crap happens plays there wasn't anything he could have done differently it just was the hand of god reaching down just like we talked about earlier omnipotence rolls in and sticks that ball to the helmet of david tyree Roddy doing everything he can to knock it out the ball doesn't touch the ground but wrong place at the worst possible time for rodney and there will be people who remember him for that when they should be remembering him for a, an incredible career on the field as one of the best defenders of his generation Okay, I'm going to go with my last pick, something a little different. So we've been doing uh, specific plays. I'm going to go with the career. I'm going to say Dan Marino remembered for not winning a Super Bowl when he should be remembered for being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And as time goes by and you say, oh, yeah, Dan Marino doesn't have a Super Bowl, that narrative keeps getting written. So that is a 
Maybe my best draft ever. A fantastic draft. A fantastic way to win uh, right before Memorial Day, which Dan Marino didn't do. See, I did it right there. I didn't even mean to do it, but I did it because he never won a Super Bowl. But that is what he's remembered as when he should be remembered as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Dang, I really did well here. That was. I still have one more hmm. pick. I still have one more pick. How can you, you how can could, you declare victory when I have a pick left? Cause you, it doesn't matter what you pick. I've won the game. The, the clock has hit zeros. I uh, we actually have five more minutes in this segment, although we don't have to use them all. I, we can go another round if you if you if you're feeling if you're feeling uh, you know good about yourself and you're now you're, you're wondering you only, you're you're out you emptied the tank you bet you bet nope. you need to have somebody else feed you Mm-mm. a fourth one Mm-mm. or you're going to be in trouble. Nope. I nope. will go. I will go with Jim Marshall, the former Vikings defensive lineman who should be in the Hall of Fame. He had the all-time Iron Man streak before Brett Favre got there. He's known. Oh my God. There it is. Look how old well this is. Well done, control room. You can't so even what? see this. Here's what he's known footage. for. He's running the wrong way. Jim Marshall scoops up the fumble. That was a game that had like 13 total turnovers. He runs the wrong way into his own end zone, throws the ball into the crowd for a safety for uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Billy Kilmer on the fumble. He was playing running back for the 49ers at the time. What? That's a great. Yeah, that's a great pick. I just the other day I was talking to to everyone about Jim Marshall running the wrong way. True football everyone fans know that. about Jim Marshall. True football fans know about Jim Marshall running the wrong <laughs> okay, way. Okay, True football fine, fans know about fine. that. Here's, Mr. I, Teddy Roosevelt, man in the arena, bullcrap. Yes. Okay, I have some honorable mentions. I'll throw out there. I well, was going no, to take possibly... another pick. Take another round. No, 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 take another no, no. round. These are honorable oh, mentions. you don't want to undermine your mentions. incredible pick. All right. No, it is the perfect draft. Um, honorable mentions. To to remembered for his antics off the field for the you know the yeah. the sit ups in the right. driveway. He was one of the greatest receivers of all time. He's on okay. there for me. Kevin Dyson and that Titans team in general falling one yard short. And that's what they're remembered for that the air McNair offense and, and going 13 and three and having a fantastic, you know, uh, season and, and upsetting the Jaguars in the AFC championship game. What Kevin Dyson, just two or three weeks before, maybe four weeks before he, he, he came up a yard short of forcing overtime potentially in Super Bowl. Yeah, Music City Miracle. He's the music city miracle. That's what he's but remembered everyone for. Remembers that. Everyone remembers, you know, the Titans falling one yard short there. Here's here's our buddy Frank Wycheck. It uh, still looks, man, from that angle, it looks like a forward pass, although he Check. swears it wasn't. There goes Kevin Dyson. Hey, Kevin Dyson was the receiver taken in 1998 before Randy Moss, by the way. Wow. Trivia. Wow. That also, Jeff Fisher told us that Kevin Dyson wasn't supposed to be the guy there. Uh, it was actually, I, can't, I think someone got hurt. And that's why he lined up so incorrectly and why it was so close to being a forward pass because that was not the usual guy who gets the ball there. Who else do you have on your list? Anyone? I got Scott Norwood. Scott, I didn't want to use Scott Norwood as a yeah, pick because I, you already did the kicker. Well, also Scott Norwood. I looked at Scott Norwood, um, and his career wasn't exceptional like Gary Anderson, who missed that kick in the NFC Championship game against the Falcons. Uh, when the Vikings were 15 and one. So I, I discounted him for that. I also had Neil O'Donnell on there. Not that Neil O'Donnell had a great career, but he is remembered the for the yeah. two interceptions thrown directly to Larry Brown in Super Bowl 30. And again, he wasn't a great quarterback and he went to the jets 
after that game and uh, proved that he wasn't a great quarterback, but he had promise and he was on the upward swing. Who knows? Maybe one of the reasons why he stunk for the Jets is he was scarred by what he did in Super Bowl 30. I also had Jake DeLome on there because I'll tell you what, even though Jake DeLome had a great career, took a team to a Super Bowl, I can't get past that, that playoff game against the Cardinals in 2008 when he just, he just imploded. To me, that's what I think of when I think of Jake DeLome. Yeah, Jake DeLome, that was a tough one. Um, bad. Yeah, that that playoff game was was something else. It was actually shades of Dan Marino against the Jaguars, his last playoff game, when I think the Jaguars scored like 70 points or whatever it ended up being. It was like 61 to 7 or something. It was obscene. We'll get that score. We will confirm that score, and we'll tell you what it was when we return. And we're also going to show you how Nick Saban is setting a good example, even if he is not a very good actor. More PFT Live right after this. Hey, big gal, you need to be staying six feet away from me. And haven't I told you you have to wear a mask when you're in this building? I mean, come on, big gal. We're supposed to be practicing social distancing, which means we have to be six feet away from each other. Don't worry, big gal. We've all been there before, buddy. Let's go get you a mask. All of us want to make sure we play football this fall. And to make that happen, we must be sure we stay at home if we have symptoms, wash your hands often, follow all social distancing guidelines, and please wear a mask anytime you're around other people. That's Nick Saban. He gets an A-plus for the message. He gets a C-plus, and that is a oh. very favorable, very favorable. That, that, that is great inflation to give him a C-plus for the acting. Uh, but you know what? Look, here's the disagree. thing. Disagree. The people in position. Disagree. What? What? You think he, the acting is good? He's graded on a curve. Yeah, he's graded on a curve. Nick Saban showing any type of human emotion or uh, anything that's not football gets an A+. Yeah, I guess between him and Bill Belichick, uh, it, it wouldn't have even been close. Could you imagine Bill Belichick doing something like that? He just wouldn't do it. But no. the message is important. People in positions of power and influence need to set the tone so the rest of us will follow. It is not an easy thing to do. It's not a pleasant thing to do. It's a pain in the butt to have that mask on. And the more people in positions of power and influence do it, even if they don't think they need to do it for themselves, they need to understand. I don't know how difficult this is to comprehend. It sends a powerful message to others who would be well-suited to actually wear the mask. All right. Well, it's uh, it's not hard to comprehend, and it's also uh, just listen to exactly what Saban said. We want to play football this fall. We want to play football this fall. And, and you know what? That's the thing that I love about your approach to the virus. And, and, and I'm not, I don't mean this to be a jerk. All you care about is football. Like, forget about everything else. What is going to allow us to play football? Social distancing, wearing masks. And Doug Duggerton won't need a mask because it'll be a virtual game coming up against Alabama. I can't make out the date. It's week nine. What, when, when you actually have a date set for it, Big Cat. A when is it? from Sunday. A week from Sunday. Right. We'll check that out. Coach Duggs versus uh, Nick Saban. More PFT Live right after this. Well, it started off at 75000 It finished at $1.025 million. The Robert Kraft Super Bowl 51 ring from the 28-3 comeback game against the Falcons in Houston. COVID-19 relief, part of the all-in challenge, Big Cat. So you'll be getting the ring sometime soon. You're just going to have to write the check for $1.025 million. I know you can break into that Penn National account and get it taken care of. What? This is such a weird move. Why would you want someone else's ring? I don't know. It just strikes me as like, 
having a ring and being like, I didn't play, I wasn't part of this organization, come look at this ring, it's weird. You apparently have never held a Super Bowl ring. I mean, they are awesome. I have. I I would steal one if I could. I would steal one and I would hide it and I would never tell anyone about it and I would keep it in a sock drawer and I would go every other day or maybe every day or maybe every hour and just hold it and marvel at it. Yes, I don't care whose ring it is. I want one. So watch out. I'm going to steal your ring. More PFT Live on Monday or Tuesday or whenever. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel.